With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello Boxing Asylum listeners and welcome back to Punches from the Past, the show where we delve into boxing's rich history and talk about the fights that really matter. I'm Steve and joining me on the call for episode 8 of season 4 is Andy Patterson and rapping Rob Kelly. We open this fourth season with a look back at the two fights between Jean Pascal and Bernard Hopkins before covering a heavyweight showdown between David Hay and Derek Chisora. Then a red-hot Latino battle as Juan Manuel Marquez and Juan Diaz threw down. We later went back to the UK of the early 90s where Eubank, Ben and Watson battled for domestic supremacy before dropping in on California 2013 for a scorching welterweight clash between Tim Bradley and Ruslan Provodnikov. Most recently, we covered the legendary trilogy between Eric Morales and Marco Antonio Barrera. Last time out, we saw Floyd Mayweather out-school rival Diego Corrales. You can find all of those, plus all of the previous recordings, in the Patreon archives. This time, we head back to December 2013, and a boxing asylum classic as Marcus Madonna looked to deliver an early Christmas present against the much maligned Adrian Broner. Andy, the crowd were buzzing in Texas right from the start, and it soon became clear that the Argentine slugger was going to push AB to his limit. Absolutely, mate. It was uh, one of these fights where you always remember where you were. Um, certainly the day after, anyway. Uh, back in them days, just I was be a father for about a year at that point. Mm-hmm. I used to hate going Christmas shopping, and I had my old grandmother, uh, God bless her soul, she's no longer with us, took her away Christmas shopping the following day, and I could not give two squirts of piss about how many people were kicking about, or how many, how much time I had to wait, I was going to put a big smile on my face, I was proven right in the end that AB was a myth, he was not the heir to Floyd, Floyd Mayweather's throne, I'd said it for years on the podcast, and I always said this, my biggest fear was that he was going to go through his career undefeated. And one thing Chino Maidana actually rung true, actually, he says, I have had the hard fights and he hasn't. Basically, is this was, if you want to put the Floyd Mayweather spin on it, this was Floyd's Diego Corrales. The thing is, Floyd passed the test. He didn't. Did you watch it the next morning, Andy? Didn't no, stay, I was up did live for it. I was up live for it, mate. Box Nation um, showed it, didn't they, I think? I'm trying to remember, mate. I'm yeah, remember Box Nation it. job. Yeah, I think it was, X, 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 I think it was on for me that night, I think, mate. 
All right, XME. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So. All right, so you weren't bothered about going Christmas shopping whatsoever after no. Madonna had laid the beating on. Spoiler alert, everybody knows AB got his ass handed to Mandy. You know that I will admit it now. I thought AB was the heir to the Mayweather throne, but I was uh, proven wrong, as is so often the case. It happens, mate. We, we do get some <laughs> predictions wrong in that. Um, the, 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 the main thing with AB really was I, I'd seen it coming. I just, you know, we've seen the videos, we've seen, you know, the, the pictures where, like, the bad habits and they're only so long you can get away with that and I dare say we'll, we'll cut into the kind of early half each other's career and that but really he ate himself and he just patted himself out of the you know his optimum weight division because uh, after this fight he went down to 140 again and he even talks to this day because I'll make 135 which is where he should have remained before he started weight hopping um, you think about it I think he became a three weight titleist within what was it 18 months mm-hmm. um, so I could just give him a, a slightly over overinflated ego Whereas Maidana had to come up the hard way, uh, change up his camp a wee bit and that as well. And finally, kind of like fine-tuned himself a wee bit going into this fight as well. Yeah, just looking at the fighters early on in their careers then. AB first came on my radar back in 2009. I have an article which I'll put up for the listeners. Uh, April the 10th, 2009, Boxing News Hot Prospects. I got my life back on track. Steve Welling speaks to a 19-year-old prospect who wants to leave his past behind him. And AB was linked to assault charges, writes Wellings, that were later dropped. But more recent brushes with the law prove that side of him may not yet be dealt with. I got my life back on track, insisted AB. I'm just going to focus on my professional career with the style to make a good professional. Shout out to Shelley Finkel, who put me in touch with AB, who was 8-0, 19 years old at the time. A w- he wanted the WBC Super Bantamweight title. He said he put his life back on track back in 2009, Andy. Uh, how did that end up? Uh, well, um... He could have had a couple of L's during that time, to be honest with you. But to be honest, you know, growing up in the area that he did, and that, he claimed to have been started boxing at four. I think he's one of, what is it, is it six brothers, I think it is, in that family? He's certainly a twin mm-hmm. brother, at least. Uh, they're all fighting in the house and that, so the, you know, the big pops gets them out in the backyard, gets the gloves on him at age six, and uh, starts having yard fights and that, and eventually finds him way, his way to a gym with Michael Stafford at age, I think it was age six, age seven. And just watching some of Brunner's earlier interviews, even when he was a wee boy, not like 10, 11, 12 year old, and that he's you know, he's saying that you know, at that time, boxing saved my, saved my life. Um, he could be on the streets, he was robbing people, that type of thing. Um, and at one point in his career, that I think he even did end up doing you know, was it 10 months, I think, in jail. Mm-hmm. Claimed that he's 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 first born, he was born when he was in jail, didn't even make the birth. So, um, yeah, that all, all that's kind of documented and stuff, but certainly he was. You know, if you look at his amateur career, and that I know some it could be overinflated a wee bit, but he's allegedly got a career of three hundred and nineteen uh, national silver uh, silver gloves, twenty two, sorry, two thousand three, and the bronze medal at two thousand four Junior Olympics, and that. So he was quite highly touted getting turned over. And, Does he uh, claim three hundred nineteen amateur bouts? Did you say? That's the, yeah, that's that's the claim, yeah. yeah. That's the claim. Wow. Okay. So. Other than that, mate, he, he turned he turned kind of pro kind of early in his career. I think it was around about two thousand six. Must have been what I think it was about nineteen twenty possibly at that time. And uh, one thing some people might notice when he, on his record, for example, about I think it's about his fifth fight in, he's got no contest on that. So if people start looking at you can't can't really find information. But your old uncle here found information. A B decided to get angry by throwing his opponent Eric Riker out the ring which resulted in a disqualification loss for Brunner. However, Steve's pal, Shelley Finkel, somehow managed to wrangle some manoeuvres 
and uh, got the fight turned to no contest. So as AB says, we got that scrub, baby. We got that scrubbed. Good old AB is causing trouble early on in his career. As I alluded to there, Rob, obviously as a 19-year-old, he was already been in trouble with the law. But I think really in the ring, the first signs of the cracks were showing for me. Well, I say cracks, before the weight bullying and that. 2011, he had a bit of a tough time with uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon. A lot of people thought he might have even lost that fight. And at that point, there was maybe a bit, a few suspicions about Broner starting to arise. Yeah, and I think he was he was starting to rub people up the wrong way, wasn't he? Because he was doing all the like throw the money in the toilet kind of you know the cheap imitation fly stuff, mm-hmm. the trash talking at the weights. I remember he was uh, particularly um, disrespectful to Antonio DeMarco, even though he ended up manhandling him in the fight. Him himself coming off a big win against Linares, like so, he was rubbing people up the wrong way. Lots of people thought that Leon won the fight. I have to say, I haven't watched that fight back in about no, 10 robbery, years, mate. robbery. But, I remember at the time, yeah, I remember at the time thinking the Leon won that fight, like the, uh, like he's the money guy or whatever. I remember something similar at the, after the Malinazi fight. Well, I don't think that was a robbery. I understand why Pauly was so upset because Broner didn't throw in the fight. Like he didn't throw at all in, in the fight. It was kind of he pot shotted his way to a to a world title, and he had sticky feet. His feet were like chewing gum the whole night. He had no. That was one of his big. I can I think one of the big differences with him, him and Floyd, apart from all the other shit as well, but his footwork was really poor, um, and it was only going to be a matter of time once he went up to welterweight that he was going to get found out. Rob, I was going to mention as well, just quickly about Gavin Reese. Obviously, Reese hadn't got the yeah. power to to hurt him, but I mean, he was showing the kind of blueprint, landing those uh, looping overhand rights that Madonna had so much success with. I think Robert Garcia went to the went to Wales to get the. Adrian Broner blueprint from uh, from Gavin Reese, but no jokes aside, Gavin Reese was. Um, remember, he fought uh, the Irish lightweight Murray, um, and he was really good at kind of making angles for himself to get around the side and throw the right hook or the overhand right. Really difficult angles to deal with, and um, he was bouncing them off Broner, but they weren't having much of an effect because of, I think the difference in the size. But Medana. Um, had actually filled out a little bit under Robert Garcia and Alex Ariza. I'm not mentioning that. I'm just saying that's just a point of note. Uh, if you look at the Marcus Maidana versus Amir Khan or versus Victor Ortiz, it's considerably different uh, frame-wise. Um, and the two fights were Floyd. But as well as that, they were on a, they were on a kind of a four-fight uh, spin. So Garcia changed a lot of stuff with Maidana as well. I've gone off a bit now, but Garcia changed so much about Maidana and added in the jab. And I think that was the the key as well as the over the overhand rights. The, the jab was the key for Maidana in the fight. Yeah, Maidana technically, Andy, obviously had improved under Garcia. Before that, my first exposure to him was back in 2009 when he fought uh, later Amir Khan victim, uh, Andre Kotelnik. Um, he was a bit cruder than Maidana, who was clearly billed as the big puncher. Obviously went in after that in an absolutely fantastic fight, worthy of punches from the past uh, in itself against Victor Ortiz. And But then he had those funny performances laboured against Demarcus Corley, who hadn't become the safety first journeyman by that point, but he beat him on points. And then, of course... A fight with Amir Khan, which we'll be discussing soon on the pod. Which, uh, a listener thrown in a question on that one. And then Devin Alexander thrown in as well, I'll who say, outboxed yeah. him. Didn't it, stretch it was... Devin Alexander at all, did he? <laughs> no stretch. No stretch for Devin Alexander. <laughs> it, was up and, it was up and down, though, Andy, beforehand for Maidana. I mean, he had a couple of uh, good performances. He was billed as that puncher, but he hadn't been uh, sort of refined into that technician by that point by Garcia. Andy, sorry. 
Yeah, sorry, mate, I was on mute there. Yeah, because he, he, he did have some success as an amateur as well, because he, he, he was one win away from qualifying for the 2004 Olympics, made the quarterfinals of World Championships in Thailand as well, so he got in two-time national champion as well, so, you know, he had some sort of uh, ability about him, and as Rob says, I think the main thing about, about what Garcia did for him was, was refine that jab, because at times he could just totally disregard it, go straight, just march straight into distance and start throwing punches, because he's, he's just a bull, and you're right about the weight. I mean, I think um, the, the rehydration for this for this fight really was uh, Maidana came in at 151. Uh, and I think Broner came in at, uh, sorry, uh, Broner came in at 156 and uh, Maidana came in at, one, at 161. So wow. massive, massive fucking uh, increase in weight. And you could see it a wee bit as well. You could see this, this pudgy guy, stocky. Katelnik fight, I thought he actually won that fight. Disputed decision. Um, he'd worked up Katelnik, marked up his face. Um, certainly worked him over, and I thought he won by at least two or three rounds. Um, and he took it that I was under fighting that, that he was well beaten in that fight. Um, and I think at that point he was talking about retirement, and this is when uh, Robert Garcia gets involved um, as well. So um, obviously we've mentioned the Army of Can fight, which was obviously exciting as well. The, the main thing about it as well, if he if if that body shot that Can had landed on Chino um, any earlier in that round, I don't think Chino would, would have made out that first round because it did come late in the round he was badly badly hurt rolling over the floor it took him a good two or three rounds to really recover from that body shot and then he gradually got himself into the fight badly rocked can he really thought he could maybe have taken can out at one point and then tied it up very close on the, on the scorecards and can was lucky to get well no lucky but he, he'd earned his, his decision victory as such and that but it was the fight against um morales um you think to yourself yeah what morales is done he's washed there's no way he can he can last with a guy like Chino. And after that first round, he's getting badly marked up, Morales, and then he just turns the fight completely on its head. Because it says many feared from him, he was going to take a bad beating, badly swollen eye, sustained all of Chino's big big shots and come back with cleaner shots of his own. And even, I think even uh, um, Maidana admits it was, it was his toughest fight yet. And, you know, for one night only, Morales rolled back the clock. So it was a, it was a great performance. It certainly was. Let's fly into the fight itself and shall we? We'll go round by round as much as we can be bothered. Round 1-12, to 12, Broner against Maidana. Uh, uh, feelings from the first round for me, obviously Maidana wobbled AB with a right hand high on the head. Broner trying to look calm and nonplussed, but generally I thought Robbie was lacking activity. But at the end of the round, he did get active, Broner, with a little cheeky thrust, grabs Maidana from behind, the little hump, which of course comes back to haunt him later on gloriously. Ooh. I mean, and it has a lot of parallels with his, where his career ended up um, <laughs> because uh, I thought he showed balls in the, in the fight, but now he only shows them on OnlyFans, so he, has, he can't have everything, I suppose, for Adrian Broner. But um, no, I mean, Maidana was so quick out the traps. I mean, so quick out the traps. He was, I think, within 25 seconds, he had um, Broner back to the ropes and he was wailing away, catching him with stuff. And Broner sought, I think, to make the fight uh, ugly himself early so it was, a, it was a really dirty fight as well I think we can't kind of overlook that both of them were kind of using the elbow there was headbutts flying in low blows a lot of holding a lot of punching on the blind side for the referee so like a classic really a lot of, a lot of the action took place kind of in a phone box um, but Maidana set the pace and was kind of laid the blueprint for the knockdown in the, in the, that followed with the, with the, a lot of the jabs to the body that uh, Broner was feeling number one and then started to, to reach for 
Um, but I think the first round really exposed um, Broner's limitations footwork-wise because um, it's not like Madonna had to cut the ring or anything. He was walking straight to him. But the unorthodox, the chopping, I think it was the first chopping shot to the temple after about 25 seconds, and it kind of set the, the tone for the whole night. Rock day beat to the core. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, the, the fight caught fire from there. And I just want to say, I might have to jump off soon, but I just want to say, you were saying about um, like where we were and, you know, nights you remember. Yes. And like, this is one of the nights you always remember. But I was a bit emotional today because I had, me, I had uh, my dad, but obviously his, his health is after deteriorating a good bit of the, over the last few years. He can barely walk now and his memory is not what it was. But we used to, you know, a big part of my childhood and adult life was watching the fights with my dad and we, two of us. Um, I went went home or whatever to, to watch that with him and we got up in the middle of the night to watch it and all that like he was a big Maidana fan so I put it on for him today because I was bringing him up for his dinner and that like and uh, I said you, you know this fight no I don't think I've seen this one before he said to me so I was a bit more he had no he had no notion that we'd seen it before but he enjoyed it anyway and uh, we watched the fight again and then I put on the Floyd fight for him so you have to laugh at these things because if you don't you drive yourself crazy but he said to me uh I think Maidana's going to get the decision here against Floyd. <laughs> I don't know if he saw that. Can't see it myself somehow. No, I'll tell you, you know, he's up. I have him up anyway. Um, so I might have to jump off, but I uh, just thought I'd throw that one in there before we put, go on with the fight. No, absolutely, Bob. And I was just going to say, good job. But he got to relive Broner getting his beat down yeah, all over yeah, again. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. I again. You should show him that every week, Rob. <laughs> the best one ever, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, uh, first round, Andy, I was just going to say, yeah. uh, Madonna came out throwing the jab for the first 30 seconds, but he dispensed with that tactic, got down to business, throwing anything he could, like Rob said, to head, yeah. to body. He just tried to ruffle him up. It was that downward right hand that, that, that shook AB very early, actually. It kind of set you know, straight on the attack, bringing the right hand into play a lot. I thought Broner's looking to grapple probably try to rough it up a wee bit, you know, because it was getting a wee bit of dirty fighting that in the same way that Gina was doing to him. So, Bruno, somehow he found time to kind of showboat, stretch off, all that type of stuff. Um, but I thought Paulie called it right in that. If you get Bruno backing up, he doesn't know what to do. He hasn't got time to think, so he doesn't He doesn't know what to do. If you go to give him kind of punching room and time to kind of get his, get, get his shots off and that, but he's just not active enough. And you say he tried to dry pump as well. That's pissed off the locals who were all big heavily on the on the Maidana. But it's a big opening round for uh, for Maidana, 10-9 without doubt. And then round two, it just seriously kicks off, doesn't it? You know, you, you know, landing yeah. that. <laughs> How can you call that? Is is I would call it a kind of a, a kind of fake jab, like come 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 court cook, isn't it? Because the, the, the way he threw that hand, he's really trying to land the first two knuckles, which is the hardest part of your 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 hand, really. Kind of like land the punch and turn it over. Um, he caught AB with um, pretty early, I think, in the round, and he's got him panicking over his, over the shop and that, and then he's, he lands it again, and AB just turns to stone, drops, falls over, the eyes are gone, he gets up doing the stanky dance, the legs are, as I say, shaky at him, and it's only 30 seconds into the round, and Broner, sorry, Maidana just into him, well in a way, forcing AB to have his, you know, move, hands up, trying to hold, you know, throw single shot counters. I thought AB was really trying to get you know, the single left left uh, hook counter off as well, quite a fair bit as, as a result of that. Nose is bleeding. So I think even with the first uh, you know, one minute left, he's, he's still been walked in by, by Maidana. So it's a huge round, 10-8 without doubt. And AB's corner is in shit state. They are panicking big style and he's like, calm the fuck down. But it was just a kind of precursor of what was going to happen. 
It was a clever move, really, Rob, from Maidana, because he kind of um, fainted with the jab almost to the body, oh, yeah. turned it into a left hook upstairs. Yeah, and I think I think when people look back at Maidana still, they even like talk about him as a slugger and a puncher, which of course he was. But under Garcia, um, he made so many improvements. I mean, he was, um, you know, even in the Floyd fights you can go to afterwards, obviously, in the same second fight he was taking Floyd's jab away with the parry and stuff like stuff you would have never seen him do before as Andy said he used to lean with his head and he, I think when what you call it got a bit and um, when Broner did get a bit of momentum in the fight it was down to Maidana kind of going back to old habits and forgetting about the jab and just leaning in with his head and Broner was kind of check hooking but for the first five rounds pretty much he was throwing like a hundred punches around and connecting with a good lot of them and setting them up and get you know the, the knockdown was just it was such a good shot he fainted as Broner was going back to the ropes and then brought it up over the top Broner didn't know what the fuck was after hitting him and didn't recover for like a good three or four rounds afterwards was, and to watch that live by the way that was the most exciting yeah. part of the whole fight unbelievable start like. Broner admits himself actually that um, in that later interview that he had no idea what hit him in that second round he says it was a weird fucking punch and he says after about round two he couldn't remember anything of the fight up to about round nine when he got dropped again and got his light switched back on, basically. So a bit like Gatti when when, when they hit Ward, knocked him out, mm. stood up, and they hit him again and kind of woke him up. <laughs> oh, yeah, he got woke up all right. Uh, into the third, then better round for Broner. I thought Madonna stood off, as Rob alluded to there. Let's Broner use his speed and accuracy a little bit to pot shot, which is what he does best. Broner not afraid to engage in a bit of rough stuff, Andy. Madonna looks to close the distance in the closing stages of the round. He wasn't afraid to get rough and dirty in there, AB. Yeah, both were getting warned for, I think it was, it was forearms, obviously coming in close and trying to kind of like rake off. I think AB got warned a few times for um, for uh, for pushing. Um, I did think that Maidana got back on jab a wee bit, but you could see, um, as you say, Broner was probably getting home a wee bit more rapid, single shots. Um, I think it was certainly a quieter round, a closer round, but it was one a, a better round for AB than it was for the first two fight, uh, two rounds, uh, without doubt. And maybe one I might have just shaded to Broner, possibly. Round four there, Rob. Um, uh, Broner's corner seems to think that Madonna's tiring a little bit, which is no surprise given the exertions he's put into those first three. Yeah, and I think, you know, credit to the strength and conditioning work for from... Um, Maidana's team because they definitely he definitely got a second win in the fight but you know in other fights he used to do that he th- he throw punches and bunches and then he'd you'd see rounds where it, I always I always thought like Maidana was never fit before he was with Garcia um I think in the American fight if you look at him he was like for a, a guy that's ten and a half stone he had like a real uh, pudgy kind of midsection and a kind of fat back for a small guy <laughs> like it's, it's strange looking at him he was skinny and fat at the same time um. But yeah, I think there was definitely a concern that he would have punched himself out, and then having had the opportunity to to uh, catch AB that he hadn't kind of finished him, you, I suppose it would be in the back of your head that he might punch himself out. But for the first five rounds, he kept up the intensity, something uh, something crazy. Rob Paulie as well was kept saying that Lawrence Cole should have been stricter with AB, take a punch a point. Did you think that? Yeah, and I thought I think Paulie probably was. Polly was probably a bit sour grapes because if you remember the Polly and AB fight, um, that's my side piece. Yeah, but AB didn't do, he didn't do any humping, but he did do. Do you remember he kind of um, did a, like a, a a backwards punch at Polly or a kick or a knee or something? He did something during the fight that was fucking absurd. I think it was like a. a a back fist or a punch? Uh, I think it was a punch behind the back. I think it was, mate. Something crazy, and and he didn't get a point taken off, and it's just like and a headlock or something. I think. Yeah, there was some. There was something like there was no even mention of a point. So I think 
Paulie was right. I think it, you, in a fight that that's tight, the referee's going to not want to take a point. Like, right. So I know we, you know, we're not at that stage of the fight. You got to take, you got to deduct a point for Maidana there, but you could have deducted a point for, for AB doing the humping. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, <laughs> but what do you do? You know, there's a fight, fight's that big. It's that close. You know, there's, there's that much action going on. And I suppose like the ref doesn't want to dock a point, like, and take away from the action, but. He wasn't great, Lawrence Coles. <laughs> to, no. to back up Paulie's point, he wasn't great. But I mean, it it, it kind of added to the fight because it made it more rough um, and was more enjoyable. I think I think uh, my uh, Bruno's miles behind in terms of punch output. To be honest with you, by by uh, the fourth round, even though you know uh, Chino's just kind of willing to walk to him, whereas Bruno's favourite punch was like single left left hook counters or lead right hands. But as I said in the chat, there, I think this is running about this time where Maidana's really investing in the body, which he did. Mm-hmm loads through this fight and I always go back to the old saying by Joe Frazier a man doesn't live by his head he lives by his body so you start punching those organs and stuff like that they start slowing down and that's where the man starts to kind of slow his feet down a wee bit and hold his feet a wee bit longer and up against the ropes it was right uppercuts right hands and then it was savage work to the body it just watching it back actually I, just, I actually forgot as to how good the body work actually was for my dinner yeah, I got the same in my notes as Andy there. Robert Garcia in the corner was cautioning his man about throwing slow shots that Broner could counterpunch. And Maidana, at this point, turns to hunting the body in the fourth round. He's trying to weaken Broner as best he can. Broner's pushing Madonna off a couple of times. Lawrence Cole starts to uh, warn him at that point as well. I thought Broner in the fifth, Andy, was trying to land the uppercut a little bit yeah. more, which had been a honey punch for him in the past. We mentioned Paulie Malinaji there, former Broner victim. He was on commentary pointing out that Madonna's, it was his Sheer awkwardness, those wide swings, that relentlessness was making him hard for someone who throws single shots like Broner to actually time. Yeah, the thing is, as I say, if you're aggressive with Broner, don't give him space to kind of think about what he's going to do in yes. order, order to uh, respond. And uh, well, as you say, the awkwardness of Chino's shots, I mean, those those weren't straight right hands. Those were shots that was kind of like coming down in a kind of arch coming downwards. And of course, Broner's trying to duck underneath. He's getting caught high. He's getting caught underneath, underneath the side and stuff. Um, but one thing I think about uh, round five is that Bruno started very aggressive, but uh, Maidana was wanting to respond to it with assault, more, more body assaults. I did think uh, Bruno was landing a bit more, a couple of good combinations with about a minute left. He was warned again. I think he was maybe warned twice in that round, actually, for, uh, for pushing. And then he had a good a good last minute uh, in the round, Bruno, I thought. So maybe it was enough for him to win that round, 49-45 to Maidana, possibly. But uh, I thought EB's success was certainly sporadic, actually. It wasn't it wasn't as consistent as to what Maidana was putting in, put it that way. Yeah, in the sixth, there was a little bit of a stylistic shift going on. Broner starting to take the centre ring a bit more, starting to come forward. He simply had to do that if he was going to command any authority. Rob, I liked how whenever Broner grabbed Madonna's head with those kind of high elbows, Madonna didn't wait for permission. He just took advantage of the opportunity to whack away at uh, Broner's yep. body whenever he could. Yeah, and I think that was telling the, the longer the fight went on because Maidana has got some crack, you know, he's not stating the obvious, like, but those punches, they, they look so awkward, but the crack off them to the side and to the hips, and, you know, he was bruising, he was bruising Broner up. But I think you can't look back at this fight, because it's easy to look back at the fight and not give Broner, like, his props because he was such an obnoxious prick at that time, and everybody was rooting for him to lose. It was like, and, you know, Maidana was a, was a, a, a bookies uh, underdog, certainly. I thought, he, I thought he had a great show, but um, Broner hung in there in the fight. It's six, seven, in the sixth and seventh round, um, he was landing landing a lot of kind of unanswered left hooks as as Maidana tired a little bit and started to lean in a little bit. Now ultimately, 
that ended up swinging the, fa- the fight back in in Maidana's favor again because the, you know he Broner started to step to to Maidana, which actually, which actually suited him because he was able to just open up. I think you're right about the angles, Broner's footwork and that that mimicking of Floyd style when he's standing in range didn't suit Broner because he hadn't got the kind of you know that that long reach or the the back movement to kind of you know to lean back and get his head out of the way of the shots while he's standing in that stance. All he's doing is take a punishment. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, it, it was. Uh, but I, I have to. Say, I was. I have to say. I have to give Broner some credit for for making a fight of it for the last yes. six rounds and really hanging in there. Like, because he could have quit, man. He could have. You know, he'd never been dropped before in his career. He was getting the shit beaten out of him. He was. Hard. You know, he probably. Yeah, he was hard bad. Like, uh, and um, and he stuck in and he tried to turn the fight, but Maidan. It was just Maidan's night, dude. It was just one of them, like. He, it was absolutely. Rob's actually spot on. See, seeing that especially around seven when he goes, you got Maidana making that quick start. I think he even landed two right crosses on on uh, on Brunner. Uh, but I thought he was more committed. He came forward. He tried to reassert some sort of control in that. And you can see Brunner trying to be a wee bit more active as well, kind of late in the round. But I just, I just thought that Maidana would just respond to everything. You know, he'd mix it up, punches up top, punches to the body. But um, certainly it was round seven. Um, his corner telling him, "Look, you need, you need to get into this now and stuff." And he, he, he did heed the warning because even as the fight wore on, you know, Mike Stafford told him, Look, "You need, you need a knockout." Especially in that twelfth round, and he came out chasing it. He did in round seven, midway through the round. Unofficial Showtime scorer Steve Farhood has Madonna ahead, but feels the rhythm of the fight is favouring Brona, although Madonna is always one punch away from hurting him. Uh, one thing I was going to mention to you, actually, Rob, on the subject of power, Madonna mentioned afterwards that Brona had stunned him hard at the point, yeah. which makes me think even more about Brona's indiscipline, right? So Brona was clearly a puncher at the lower weights, often due to us being a size bully. He gave up such a lot by being a fat shite because he could obviously bang. He later showed that against Sean Porter. That power diminished as he grew in size, which was an even greater detriment to him. Yeah, I I think you're bang on. And I think there's footage, there's definitely a clip I've seen of Maidana um, talking about Broner. And they said to him, you know, who's who's the hardest puncher you face? I think he says Broner. And then they were like, would you like a rematch with Broner? And he was like, no. (laughs) <laughs> so there was obviously a stage in the, I think it was stages late in the fight that he masked being hurt badly um, he, th- he certainly caught some some shots flush and I think I just think like if Broner had stayed around 140 135 like how long could his run have been like you know what I mean mm-hmm. he could have he, he, I thought I, I never understood that jump to 47 in the first place but he, he paid the price for it because he didn't belong there he didn't before we carry on with the fight uh, Robert mentioned clips actually there. sorry Yes, great show, sorry, wait, we're on this fight. Great yeah. show for saying that this fight actually ruined Broner's career. Like, because I do not remember any fight where he was ever the same again. Like, he, he literally never recaptured the heights that he had. Yeah, B-Hop uh, called it right. and all that. Like, I think he ruined him, didn't he? He did B- indeed, Andy. Yep. Andy, you mentioned B-Hop, Andy. Well, Rob has perfectly uh, yep. segmented us into this point. Andy provided Fantastic. me with a, a B-Hop clip talking about the fight directly afterwards, I believe it was. Let's After listen now. After the press conference, indeed, yep. B-Hop was there in the ring beforehand. He was shaking his head afterwards after Broner's performance. Let's hear what B-Hop had to say to the reporters about Broner then and going forward. But it's, it's a little, it's, Because once you do, you can't go back. Yeah. But when he left out of the ring, this wasn't a robbery, dog. Yeah. People can accept you have this side saying you should, this side you shouldn't. But when it's a close fight and you got two people yeah. or two sets of people saying this, he should have won, he should have won. You might can get away with walking out the ring. Yeah. But when you get beat down like that and you lost the fight, it's not no controversy here. You got to sign and stay and have class and face the music because now you're getting more respect for people that didn't even like you now. Yeah. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But when you leave the ring, that's like 
you can't play with my balls or I beat you at your game, so I'm leaving. I got my mouth poked out, my lip, and I'm upset. That that there was that, that was even worse than the fight. That was even just by worse than losing the fight because that showed that he can't handle the reality of you got beat. Now it can make or break your career. This, this the question that I tell him. I said at the press conference without being long. Oh, I said I said probably talk. This now has a lot to do with what happens now in the second part of his career. Because now he had the second now. But that was three fights he fought tonight. don't belong in the league. That was three fights he fought. That took three fights out of him. So if he got ten left in the bank, down to seven now. Prophetic words. Because yeah. as you say, Robbie never was never the same fighter yeah. afterwards. And that, and that can happen. I think like obviously he hasn't helped himself. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. As Bill O'Hurley, the great Irish TV pundit, used to say, he was instrumental in his own downfall. There, I think that's fucking uh, that's perfectly accurate when it comes to AB. But I think part of that was down to the beating that he took that night. That he didn't really want to ever kind of you know he just wanted money fights after that with minimal effort like he didn't want to go to the trenches ever and I don't think he ever did go to the trenches again in a fight since like yeah I think he got to a point in his career whereas he'd plateaued early got this hype but he was he was satisfied as to where he was he wasn't willing to then up at another level he wasn't willing to put the work in like Floyd would do or like Manny would do he was all about the parties the Benjamins cash mm-hmm. checks and half sex basically you know and nothing really changes in the fucking yeah, exactly. eight, what is it, 30 fucking nine years since that fight. Like, it's, only got, it's only got worse, hasn't it? As it did in the fight. Like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, B-Hop, prophetic words from B-Hop there as AB exited the ring. Uh, one legend calling out a bad loser there, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's right, though. He only lost disputed decisions, basically. But when you get beat down like that, there's no yeah. controversy. That's fact. That's fact. Absolutely. Uh, Rob, I was going to mention one thing to you. Actually, Malinaji said in round eight, he was comparing Broner's troubles with Maidana to the issues that his idol Floyd had with Jose Luis Castillo. I think Mayweather reverted to the ropes a little bit more than Broner did, which allowed Castillo to tee off a bit more, but I kind of saw the comparisons. Yeah, it's a flimsy enough comparison, like isn't it? With the, with, it's just it's it's hard. Like the only time the only people that mentioned Floyd and Broner in the same sentence were mostly Broner. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Uh, I just I just think there's such a big disparity there in talent levels, but yeah, I get it. Like I get it, I get it. Because at that stage, you know, Broner hadn't been exposed, and of course, Malinaji was bigging up how good Broner was because he lost to him. He did the same with Sean Porter and a few other guys afterwards. <laughs> Anyone that be Polly Malinaji gets great praise for Polly Malinaji in the commentary booth. So it's one of them, like isn't it? Uh, yeah, round eight, uh, Mayweather comparisons there for Malinaji. Two interesting incidents in round eight for me, Andy. Firstly, mm-hmm. Maidana drops Broner for the Ooh. second time with a left hook. Then, after a clinch, Maidana stupidly butts Broner. It was stupid, who then takes the opportunity. Bit of professionalism or gamesmanship, finally, from Broner. The opportunity to roll around on the canvas, milk it. He looked like a dickhead, but I thought yeah. it was a pretty smart move, given yeah. he was still hurt. Yeah, well, Andy, they... Well... I think Broner was because I think maybe the confidence was up a wee bit now because he'd done pretty were pretty decent in the last few rounds. So he's looking a wee bit flash now. He's let the hands go, the combos go. Um, he's backing up Broner a little bit, I thought. And he's backing up uh, Madena a little bit, I thought. And then Broner's, you know, all the good work got undone when Chino responded with a left hook to the head and then immediately landed a right hook to the body, which mm-hmm. dropped the hands a wee bit. Then they came back over top with the left hand. Drops AB, who's like, oh shit, I think he even broke his jaw, according to Bruno's own words, in that ninth round. Um, Chino's trying to finish off the business, obviously, and then Bruno's grabbing by the arms, he's got, he's got him pinned. 
Maidana's desperate to try and finish the fight. He tries to get himself loose. He doesn't manage it, so he just dra- drags the head straight up into Broner's chin, who does a LeBron James, labricks it and drops to the ground trying <laughs> to buy a foul, and uh, basically loses a point. For a, well, it was a 10-8 round at that point. He gets deducted a point, which makes it a 9-8 round. So really done himself out a wee bit. Paulie's losing his mind because the referee didn't do a right job in breaking them up, possibly, but it's definitely a foul. Definitely deserving of, of a point off. Um, Broner, he, admits, he, he admitted that like a few, I think it was a few years later or a few months afterwards, and I, looked, I tried to I tried, tried to game it, I tried to buy time. I was hurt. So at least he was honest, honest enough, at, at least at some point in his in his life, to kind of admit to himself, yeah, I was, I was in a bad way. I had to flop that. I think his exact words was, I had to flop that. I had to buy some time. I was fucked up. So, yeah, as bad yeah. as he be. We have criticised Lawrence Cole, obviously, in the past for previous performances, but I think in the incident with the headbutt, I thought we spoke about this off air, he dealt with it pretty well. He didn't let the situation escalate greatly. He was kind of like, come on, Broner, get up again. I think if a referee had kind of stood off a little bit more and um, indulged him, then AB might have even got to the point, you know, the crowd were booing him and everything and he was shaking his head and... I'm not saying he would have gone so far as to try and get a disqualification, but maybe stay down and force the referee and the commission into a decision that they would have had to make and we wouldn't have wanted that conclusion. So Cole, in that instance, I think getting AB up quickly was a, yeah. was a good move. Yeah, basically, because I, th- well, I think the referee will know himself because he, he's got the best eyes in the house. He's mm-hmm. like feet away and he's seen how how, how bad. Well, as a foul, I don't think it is, it is bad enough. I mean, you've seen headbutts yourself now, but I don't think it's, it's not one of those ones. It's not a Tim Bradley headbutt, put no, it that way. No, no. It's like someone who's dragged the head straight up. I don't know how much, I don't think he's got a lot of force in it, but obviously there's contact. Probably with the heart of my will, but not enough to flop like that. But yeah, the referee took a handle of it. Um, could have easily. Broner was was getting away with some some Hogwarts stuff and that as well. He was he was fouling. He was forearming. He was pushing, just trying to buy time. That's all it really was because this is after this point, after that second knockdown, it's it's a haze for him now, and you know it's basically it's it's, it's a fight to the death for him. If he wants to win, he's gonna have to go in the, uh, into Maidana and try and knock him out, um, because even after the start of start of round nine, he's backing off. Maidana's chasing him, he's punched him, his left hook again, I think he staggered the Bruno with a left hook, who's, who's then looking to hold, Maidana continues to march forward, just digging the body constantly, as I say, I just go back to that scene for Joe Frazier, and that man don't live by his head, um, and there's nothing in response by Bruno, um, he took a lot of punishment round 8 and round 9, and both are clear rounds for me, so I've, by after round 9, I've got an 86, 82 to Maidana. Yeah, surely Maidana's pulling away at this point. And then the jab, which was a key weapon that was underutilised to this point, starts to come out as well. We mentioned before, for all of his come-forward mauling and his power-punching, Maidana had a quality jab when he chose to use it. And this was one of the changes Robert Garcia made to him because he neglected his jab a little bit in earlier bouts, as we mentioned about Kotelnik and Demarcus Corley. And one thing I'm going to say as well is, I remember watching it on the Sunday morning. At the time, Broner was getting ragdolled around in that ninth round. I distinctly remember thinking at that time, I thought Browner was going to get stopped. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, there's, there's, as I said, there was no response. He's getting backed up, and he had no, no really much answer uh, for, for, uh, for Maidana when he, when he stepped forward like that. And then, obviously, uh, round ten, he's thinking to himself, he's maybe got oh, a quiet opening. And then Chino just, just launches a scud missile right hand right over the top, catches Browner, and it's, I mean, he literally launches it for the, for, for the back of the arena, catches AB, who's like, oh, for Christ's sake, like he kind of squares up to him. Um, and then you can see maybe Bruno maybe starting to get popping off and trying to kind of lead clean shots, etc. And that, but he's 
he's got he's got nothing really. Even though he, he dug in, I've given given respect. He was getting bugged to the body constantly, right uppercuts, right hands, and he still at moments in the fight found moments to kind of let his hands go, uh, land clean shots. Basically, I mean, he, even at times when Maidana's thrown all these shots and stuff, sometimes Bruno could be a bit more quality with his punches and he'd be slamming straight shots and good hooks and that. Um, but just there was nothing, absolutely nothing that he could land was deterring Maidana. Because I think, distinctly remember a straight right hand that Brunner landed around about maybe the 10th or the 11th. Straight, straight shot. It was absolutely beautiful shot. And then, you know, there's nothing. Maidana just, just, just swallows it up and keeps coming at him. And then um, I think uh, round 11, it's, it's when Stafford's telling him, Brunner, look, you need a KO here. A little, little bit more back and forth, I felt. Um, Brunner being a wee bit more busy, and then Chino just turns turns on him and just, you know, revenge dry rides him, which the crowd absolutely loves. And AB's got nothing to do, but acknowledge it. Yeah, mate, you got me good there. And uh, by this point, he must be feeling like shit. I mean, he's getting beat up, he's getting owned, and then he's just got fake, fake raped. So, um, <laughs> and everybody's laughing at him as a result of it. So, you know, what can you do, man? What can you do? Yeah, after a torrid ninth round, it's all kicking off in the 10th, Al Bernstein. I agree with him. It takes two to tango. Al makes the point. Broner deserves credit at this point for not folding. He's showing balls. He's gritting it out. Andy mentioned there after the 10th, Mike Stafford says, look, Adrian, we can all see it here. You need a KO to win. The issue raises its head again. Lawrence Cole, should he have taken a point away from Broner? Malinage is getting annoyed now. The, t- the holding gets excessive and at times a little bit aggressive with the forearm. Round 11, I've got my notes, just as Andy mentioned there. One of the great boxing moments of all time for me. One minute, 30 seconds. They get tangled up. The fight has completely turned on its head since the first round when Broner got down and dirty. Much to Mauro Ronaldo's disgust, Madonna drops the opportunity to reverse hump Broner. It's absolutely class. The crowd it. erupts in delight, man. Broner flicks his hand behind his head in rage. But it, oh, it, was, it was just such a classic, non-scripted moment, man. I loved it. It's when hype meets reality, mate. <laughs> I've even seen Danny Garcia at ringside. He was laughing up. And Aaron Hopkins is like hiding behind his face, hiding behind his hands. Which <laughs> Having a wee, a wee funny giggle on that as well. Brunner's just getting owned. San Antonians are absolutely destroying Brunner. They hate them. They're all back in Chino, as I says. They're back at, because people, all these Argentinian, but he fought like a Mexican there, kind of Mexican come file, yes, forward style, brawling away and that. So obviously they're going to back him up and that. But there was one thing I meant to mention actually was, was, was the weighing picture. There's a picture of Brunner looking quite apprehensive, and you've got Chino who loves his guns standing there in a fake. Pose, but looking like he's got a gun on top of Adrian Broner's head, laughing away at himself. Now he's like, "If only you knew, Adrian. If only you knew." Adrian was about to get blasted. The crowd enjoying themselves. We're going into round twelve. Robert Garcia tells Chino he has to come forward, cannot go backwards. A penny for the thoughts of the judges at this point. As I was thinking, they went out, they traded leather for the final three minutes. Broner probably got the better of it, in my opinion. But yep. if Maidana had done enough, the decision was unanimous. Broner gives the finger to the crowd after the decision. He sulks <laughs> off into the dressing room, being booed all the way. Problem solved. As Al Bernstein says, I'll just read out the score, <laughs> scores, Andy. 115-110 from Stanley Christodoulou. 117-109 to Levi Martinez. And 116-109 to Nelson Vasquez. Were you? I mean, we're boxing fans. We've been around for decades watching this stuff. You're going to be apprehensive, aren't you, after that fight? Because you just never know what the judges are looking at. Yeah, true. But I, I just thought there was no way they could rob him. I was absolutely You'd think confident. that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. 
purely confident, but then you remember for, you know, he, 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 Ponce de Leon got, got robbed. That was a disgraceful uh-huh. robbery, man. 99-91, remember one of the judges and that. Took for a wee while to get the scorecards in, but what I loved just before the, the reading the scorecards was after the round had ended, and fair play to Broner, he stuck it all out in the 12th round, which he won in my opinion, um, was we went over to embrace Maidana, who then did the fatherly thing and brushed Adrian's hair. <laughs> like all pops did, and then Broner gets out of the ring as you say quite rightly, walking away, he's getting booed, flicking, flicking the finger. Whereas the locals decided, ah, oh, fuck this bitch, and started throwing beer over him and all sorts of drinks and stuff. Seeing Broner staggering back to his his dressing room, looked look like a forty year old drunk who just aged ten years. It was a, uh, it was, it was poetic justice. Glorious to see AB there as we uh, roll into a few, <coughs> excuse me, a few of the official particulars. Then uh, the title of the promotion was Danger Zone, the first defence for Broner, the WBA welterweight title. This was the Ring Magazine upset of the year for 2013. Oscar De La Hoya involved, of course, back then with Golden Boy Promotions and Jesse James Lay, her promotional company as well. Broner was the five to one betting favourite, and it was a really strong crowd in the Alamo Dome of 11,312. Let's have a quick look down the undercard as we tend to do. Some familiar names and faces knocking about. Lightweight, Jamel Herring with the PBC at that point, moved to 6-0 and with a second round knockout on the undercard. Roshi Warren, bantamweight, was also unbeaten, a former sparring partner of AB. He was 8-0 with the unanimous decision win. Robert Easter Jr. moved to 8-0 uh, with a first round knockout win. Jermaine Taylor was still knocking around as well, 31-4-1. Goodness knows what condition his brain cells are in, but he managed to knock out JC Candelo in the seventh round. Rod Salka was on the wrong end of a majority decision loss. And then up to the business end of the card, Baybert Shumanov, light heavyweight, defending his super uh, WBA super light heavyweight title against 23-0 Tamas Kovacs. That was a bit of a one-sided beatdown. Leo Santa Cruz as well, making one of his many defences against Cesar Seda for the WBC super bantamweight title. And one time, Keith Thurman, back when he was knocking people out, 21-0, moved to 22-0, WBA interim welterweight title fight with a ninth-round knockout win over Hazer Soto Carras. It was obviously uh, Richard Schaefer for Golden Boy Promotions on Showtime. Pretty strong card there. Uh, you would have thought at the time Thurman would have been in line for the likes of Brona. Thurman, I believe, actually going off on a bit of a tangent, Andy. Whenever he made his HBO debut, can't remember who the opponent was, he was originally slated to fight Maidana, and Maidana pulled out of that fight. Uh, Godness knows what the two uh, camps would have thought they would have been getting themselves into there, but Thurman, that's actually true. He was going to fight Maidana on his HBO debut, right. and, he, and he ended up fighting somebody else. I can't remember who it was now, but that would have been some fight back then. Yeah, I missed that one actually. No, you mentioned that was it? No, one of his first day. Um, was it no uh, Quintana, Carlos Quintana, possibly. No, it was the one before. I've got his list up now. It was actually two thousand and twelve. Oh, he ended up fighting Orlando Laura. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, because that was in Cincinnati. That's why he wasn't it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Was Bruno on that card? Just pulled it up there. No, he wasn't. No, but he was. He was. Yeah, oh, it was, Thurman, it was that Thurman. was the Escobedo. That was the Escobedo uh, situation. Oh, when he lost well, the there you go. So they'd been on the same card together. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Thurman was originally slated to fight Madonna, but they didn't think they had enough time. I think to make the weight or get prepared or something. Right, and the thing is, uh, this would be this was 2012. Um, just trying to get my dates right here, mate, because I think, as I say, it might tie in with when Chino was kind of like not feeling it anymore with the sport and that. Um, I think he's kind of tied up. Um, uh, Robert Garcia run about twenty twelve. So it was notes, it was yeah. July two it was July two thousand and twelve, right? So let's have a look. 
just it was uh, he'd lost to Alexander, so he was coming off the back of a loss to Devon Alexander. Then uh, Madonna was, yeah. and he, and two months later he would fight Carras. So they've obviously looked at him, get right. uh, boxed his ears off by Alexander, and thought, oh yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, I think as to that, uh, the the fights against. Um... Carras uh, and Lopez were absolute savage wars. Like if anybody can remember those ones, especially the the Carras uh, uh, war. And the, the other thing I was going to mention, mate, just about the particulars, not the Chino was actually voted comeback fighter of the year that year as well. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Uh, and also as well, one thing as well, you know, talk about knowing your worth. Chino actually re- rejected this fight at one point. He says, "I'm not going to take the short end of the money." I have earned my spot. I think he was quite high up in the rankings at this point, number number one possibly contender for for a belt. Um, and then he says, "Look, I want I want paid, you know, because at the end of the day, I've earned my spot. Broner at this point needs me more than I need him. You need to, you need me to get Broner over the fence, basically, or over into that next level. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing, Chino says he was prophetic as well as this is going to be his first hardest fight." And by God, did he deliver on that uh, on that <laughs> promise, man? Because I say, uh, I stated here he was interested in the Broner fight, but not for short money. State need earned his place more than Broner. As a result, the fight was given a cable TV slot and given a pay per view like promotion with Showtime posting up all access episodes. And Broner carried the show, obviously, whereas Chino just kind of quietly worked away in the background. And believe it or not, it was a result of him beating Broner that's got him the Floyd Mayweather fight. And his big payday, where he was eventually sit back in Argentina with a nice bottom of Callan, as we say in Scotland, a generous half and enjoying retirement. Absolutely tremendous. And boy, does uh, Marcus Maidana deserve it. Uh, one thing I was going to pick up on as well, the commentators made reference several times to how strong the year in boxing had been that year. Al Bernstein described it as the best year, 2013. In 25 years, some of the standout fights included, of course, Carl, Gro- uh, Carl Froch, rather versus George Groves. We saw Dennis Lebedev against Guillermo Jones, uh, Omar Figueroa against Nihito Arakawa. There's a name from the past. Rios Alvarado, too. Donair Darchinian, too. Maidana, again, in a fight previously against Josecito Lopez. Bradley Probodnikov, a former Punches from the Past special in this very series. Uh, Lara versus Angulo and Kirkland's uh, satanic beatdown of Glenn Tapia as well. Before we move into the fighters uh, post-career, obviously we know what happened to Broner and also Maidana. Broner had some interesting things to say to uh, Showtime, I think it was, PBC afterwards about why he lost. And uh, he thinks the good Lord himself might have had some kind of intervention, as we find out now in this clip. But if things were working in the fight for him, don't you want to know what was going wrong for you? Listen, I know what went wrong for me. God had that plan already. It don't matter if I had Jesus in my corner. God had that plan. We can't stop his plan. Was it something technical? I mean, he's hitting you with a lot of hooks. Was it something that you could that you could work out strategically, mechanically? What I need to tell everybody that isn't inside that square circle, you know, sometimes when you get hit with good shots, it's some shots you just don't see. And um, you're going to get hit with big shots. But at the end of the day, man, you know, um, we ready to go back to camp. We ready for the rematch. If we could have fought him on Sunday, we would have fought him on Sunday. But you know, and, um, he was the better man that night. Now, you want him right away. Now, you've exercised the rematch clause. Um, is that the best course of action, to go after that guy right away? Of course. Of co- I'm a fighter. Um, if I go on, I know I can beat anybody. If I go on, then what they say, oh, at least Madonna beat him. You know, um, you know, I'm the closest thing to Floyd Mayweather. So since I took my loss, everybody feel like Floyd Mayweather took a loss because I'm the closest thing to him. You know, and still to this day, I'm the closest thing to him. 
But um, we're going to be okay. My next fight, I hope I fight Madonna. But if I don't, it's okay. <laughs> a little bit deluded, I might see you might say, Andy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, mate, because uh, he did say um, in the build-up to the fight, actually, he'd been touring with the rap band, Pete Robinson here, Most Wanted, Little Wayne, and all those guys. Uh-huh. So after the tour, he went straight into camp. He says I did train for the train for the fight, but I was also away partying and, and, and touring. But I did I did enjoy one of Floyd's comments. Obviously, he was quite pally with Floyd, quite close, and then they've had the falling out and all that type of thing. Um, my <laughs> Floyd came out with the comment. Um, I had to fix out all his problems. I had to beat my Dana twice for him. So, <laughs> <laughs> Floyd, Floyd uh, basically saying A, B, always broke, all that type of thing. And that he's he's got severe problems. He's an alcoholic. He admits that himself. Um, numerous, numerous break-ins over the law and all that type of thing. As I say, he's been done for, here's just a couple of things in that. He's a field appear in court. He's got a laundry list, a range of, you know, arrest for battery, knocking out a fan in Vegas. I remember seeing that when I, that was, tri- what a right hand he hit that guy with, knocked him out. Sexual battery, restraining order for homophobic remarks, order to pay $830,000 for sexual assault on a woman in a nightclub. Then in October 2021, he was jailed for parole violation and ordered into an alcohol treatment programme. And there's also been videos of him talking about back in the hood. And uh, if you ask for a picture of me, I'll probably rob you. And then obviously, you know, he's got his cash app. He's got his OnlyFans. I think he's only got only one fan, I think, actually. But uh, who knows? But uh, look, it's not looking good. And at this point, you can see Eddie Hearn and that now. And, and people are that will try to cash in on the name value that he's got, whatever's got left of it at least. And trying to probably get Conor Bennett to fight. Fight Broner, but as 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 one thing we've seen actually, he's got a he's got a good beard, uh, figuratively and and metaphorically basically. But um, he is uh, he is washed at this point, Broner. You know, I, I'm I'm glad you know when when he retired after Floyd, he made he's tried to make that comeback. It's went quiet. I think I think he knew himself by that point. He's he's not in it anymore. Broner's the same. He is not going to be the same fighter. This the what he thinks he was. That ship has sailed years ago. And what we've got now is a caricature and a washed-up person because, as I say, if you look at the, um, the Sean Porter fight, I thought he was getting absolutely schooled in that fight. Uh, they almost Wouldn't let his hands go, would he? Yeah, and then he, he let it go in the 12th round. Yeah. He brought Porter with a left hook. I'm like, where's yeah. that been all, all night? And then since then, since um, the Mikey Garcia fight, he's went, you know, that's that's four fights for Garcia through his last one against Santiago. He's 1-2-1 one, and one in his last four fights. He's now 32 Numerous, as I said, numerous issues outside the ring and that. I would not be surprised if there is an issue uh, depression, CTE possibly and that as well because everything, uh, you're mixing alcohol and drugs and all that on top of it. This is a recipe for disaster at some point in the line and that. And I, I, I maintain to this day, mate, I do not see it ending well for Broner. Somewhere down the line, either in 5, 10, 15, 20 years time down the line, something's going to crop up with him that we're going to say, yeah, well, that's what we've been waiting for. Um, hopefully he doesn't take anybody with him but I can mm. see something seriously happening with him at some point whether it's back in the hood in Cincinnati because he's, I believe he's been shot at as well actually I think I've seen videos of him yeah, on, he was, on yeah. TMZ or whatever it was and that it's just something's going to come back to haunt him basically I don't know I think he's talented and he could have done a lot more with his career saying that he's made a lot of money but and they call him a four weight champion or five class world champion whatever it was and realistically we know he's not he's just a belt holder but I think he pissed it away but he's always been looked after and it's not for want of opportunities no matter what he's done he's still moves the needle the fans are still interest, interested and Uncle Al and the PBC 
have looked after him. I mean, in the end, I think Al started withdrawing funds to try and look after him in some way. But he's had so, considering his fuck ups, he's had so many opportunities to turn yeah. it around. And I mean, some of the performances post Madonna, looking up and down, like Emmanuel Taylor, Adrian Granados, even that last one against Santiago. He's just put in dire performances and he's got the likes of yeah. Porter, Pacquiao on his record, Mikey Garcia. They're giving him plenty of chances. He's done and he's demanding ten million dollars for his next mm. couple of fights and that. He's look, the, the the only reason fans are still really interested as such, we want to see him absolutely sparkled. We want to see him humbled mm. beyond beyond redemption, basically, I think. Um because the shit that he's pulled, you know, it gets marked down. And it'll come back to it doesn't matter what age you are, you know, I guess Martin it'll, it'll come back to haunt you at some point. You know, burning burning cash, throwing money at at, at, um, at shop workers, you know, su- uh, supermarket workers, sorry. Um just you know, throwing cash about in nightclubs and there's one thing you do, you don't do is it's come back to kind of haunt them. You didn't flash your wealth, you keep your love life quiet. And you sure as shit keep your hands to yourself when it comes to other things and that as well. So AB's failed in all three of them. And what happens, all the all the gold diggers are coming out. They're all wanting a BPCM and they say he's saying, bitch, fuck you, go see Al Heyman, baby, because I ain't got nothing for you. Yeah, just as we close out the show with then with our final clip, I think, yeah, Andy's right there. That all that's left now is really the only interest to see him absolutely sparked out on the canvas because everything else is kind of it, that'll just be the final nail in the coffin for AB, who in a rare moment of humility, every now and again, he, he can be humble and he can admit, I think he's, it's a veneer, obviously hiding a deeply flawed personality. He's probably lacking self-esteem and deep down, he's probably lacking a lot of confidence as well. You usually find that with personalities like AB, but I mean, like we said, he does move the needle and he does have respect for Maidana as, as this clip would indicate. What do you think it is about Adrian Broner that despite suffering some losses, ups and downs, that you're still one of the biggest names in boxing. People seem to connect to you in a different way than other fighters. I'm me, man. I'm me. I'm me. It ain't no duplicate. Well, it is. I got a twin brother, but... <laughs> but I'm me. Uh, no matter what, no matter if we... No matter if we... I don't care if the camera's around or not, I'm always be me. Do you think that's something to do with your really open about even your struggles when you're going through a hard time do you think that's something people connect to I, I'm just not afraid to say how I feel and, and express myself see cause I'm gonna be honest with y'all I did a uh, after the loss after the McDonald's loss I did an interview and they was supposed to air it on TV and they ain't put it on TV cause they thought that I was gonna be sad and crying and shit remember that Mike they I did one I did one and then they stopped it, and then they came back and did another one, <laughs> and they never aired it. Yeah. What did you say? What huh? Huh? Showtime. What did you say in that interview? Huh? What did you say? In that I was the same way. I guess they thought I was gonna be sad and crying and shit, but I was just the same same way. Speaking of Madonna, um, after he fought, I already coming back. <laughs> huh? Heavyweight, maybe. I don't know, man. He, he might. She. He. He always get big and then lose all the way. But I, I you know, I, I wish him the best. You know, uh, Madonna. That's my homie. He said after he fought you, he doesn't remember the twelfth round because he hit him so hard. She. I don't remember a couple rounds either. <laughs> at least we being honest. <laughs> what did you say? You stayed in touch with him after the fight a little bit, or at least? Or? Nah, that's my nigga though. Madonna, we were we cool. Something about what happened in that fight. 
future together that way. You mean? I'm not. It's just it's, that's a it's a business, man. It ain't, it ain't not personal. She. I hope he come back. I want to fight his ass again. I think that ship sailed, maybe, AB. <laughs> yeah, without doubt, mate. Without doubt. Um, one thing I was going to pick on what you said there, actually, it kind of slipped my mind. But, uh, yeah, about um, Gino saying that he, he, he can't remember the 12th round. That was the round that was talking about where uh, Ronan actually hand, landed that straight right hand. Yeah. And immediately, Gino backed off. Uh, so I can understand why, because uh, it was a fantastic right hand, actually. That's he did hurt him, didn't he? I think he yeah. did hurt him, yeah. That's what we're saying, uh, you know, f- for all his faults and all his flaws and that, and how much an arsehole he can be, one thing you can't think, he has got heart, and when he's hurt and that, he can he can, he can, can try and turn it around and that. He just didn't have the firepower, just didn't have the output and that, but he did get him backing off, uh, and he hung it out, all out there, brought everyone on that 12th round, pressing the fight, but my then I stood up to it all. Definitely an AB round the 12th and that, but 115, 110 to Chino and my third. Yeah, final concluding comments as we get out of here from me then. As mu- as funny as it was seeing AB completely humbled and we know what came before and we know what went afterwards, it was a really exciting fight, a really enjoyable fight. I, I-, I would urge the listeners to go back and watch it because I really enjoyed re-watching it. Absolutely, mate. I'm the same. I've, I've watched it. Obviously, it's a fight that I've, I've enjoyed going back and watching a few times in the past. Flew by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you know, looking at it again, and uh, I watched it again today uh, for the first time in a few years, actually. And I actually forgot as to how how much Chino invested in in, in the body, uh-huh. and and just just to, as to how much Broner actually kind of hurt Chino in that twelfth round and that. So he has, you know, he can leave it late, but yeah, look, go back and watch it. It's a tremendous fight. Will always be my number one humbling, possibly, uh, of all times. And uh, stay tuned for another one, possibly, because I think uh, at some point, if he keeps fighting, he's going to get humbled again. A humbling for AB. We'll look forward to that one. Adrian Broner losing to Marcus Madonna in episode eight of season four of Punches from the Past. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. We've got a couple in the bag for number nine and number 10, and then we will do a close of the season. Punches from the Past live. I might even dip into the WhatsApp boxing nutters messenger forum to see what you guys want to do. And you can join us in the chat that evening and we'll have a bit of a laugh as we tend to do. Thanks to Andy Patterson for joining us. Thanks to Rapping Rob Kelly for jumping on earlier as well. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll catch you all again very soon. Thank you very much for being a Patreon subscriber. We love you all and bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.